everybody. Happy New Year if I haven't seen you yet. It is great to be starting this year off with you. If you're online with us for the first time, my name is Jason Wooliver. I'm the directing pastor here at Crossroad. It's a joy to have you with us. Our scripture passage for this morning is Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version of the Bible. Hear this writing from the Apostle Paul. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father, through him. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, come. Fill the hearts of your faithful. Kindle in us the fire of your love. Speak to us now through your word that we may grow more like our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I arrived at Crossroads in July of 2015, There were already a few weddings on the calendar, so Pastor Sarah Wank and I had to jump in and get started doing weddings. And it was a great way to get to know some folks and to figure out how things were done here at Crossroads. On Saturday afternoon, as I was leaving the church following my first Crossroads wedding, the guy who had been doing sound said to me, hey, that was a pretty short wedding. Isn't there supposed to be a sermon of some sort? And I said, huh. Well, where I came from, couples usually wanted their wedding to be as short as possible. He said, well, up here, people usually have a sermon in the wedding. I said, huh, good to know. It was just a cultural thing that I wasn't aware of. But since then, I always asked the couple if they would like me to give a sermon in the service. Some do. Some want to keep it as short and sweet as possible. But if a couple does want a sermon and they have a particular scripture passage in mind, I will build my message around that scripture passage. 
If they want a sermon, but they don't have a passage in mind, I will use a section from this passage in Colossians chapter 3. This passage from Colossians 3 is considered to be one of the best summaries in the New Testament of the expectations of the Christian life. And I thought it would be a great message, a great scripture passage for us to look at at the beginning of this new year. And whether you're a New Year's resolution person or not, sooner or later, we need to all resolve to live according to the teachings of this passage if we want to faithfully follow Jesus and experience the abundant life that he came to give us. So there are three broad imperatives that the Apostle Paul gives in this text. The first is to seek the things of God. He says in verses one through four, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Paul starts off this passage by saying, if then you have been raised with Christ. And he's making reference to the spiritual resurrection that we all experience when we put our faith in Jesus. God makes us born again, spiritually alive to God. And this was symbolized and is symbolized in baptism. When a believer was lowered into the water of baptism, they were seen to be dying to their old way of life apart from Christ. And then when they were brought up out of the water, they were considered to be rising to a whole new life. The old was gone, dead and buried. The new life had come. The fullness of our redemption and who we are in Christ won't be seen until Christ returns in glory and gives us our new resurrection bodies. But here and now, we've already been raised spiritually through faith in Christ. And Paul says that if we've experienced this spiritual rebirth through faith in Christ and committed ourselves to him through baptism, we ought to here and now seek the things above. We should devote our lives to seeking the things of God, not the things of this earth. In the Gospel of John chapter 1, we see Jesus meeting some of his first disciples for the first time. John the Baptist had pointed out to the crowds that Jesus was the Messiah. And so two of the people who were at John's revival started following along behind Jesus. It says he turned and saw them following, and he asked them this question, what do you seek? And I find that to be a very profound question. What are you seeking? And as we start 2023, I would ask you on Jesus' behalf, what are you seeking? At this point in your life, what are you putting your hopes into, your energy into? What are you setting your mind upon? Is it the next promotion at work? The next thing you want to buy? Are you seeking some sort of personal victory? Are you seeking to get this or that person to like you or to find the perfect spouse? Christianity teaches that in the end, anything that we seek other than the things of God and the good things he's giving us will result in disappointment and disillusionment. One of the best books I read in the year 2022 was called From Strength to Strength, Finding Success, Happiness, and Deep Purpose in the Second Half of Your Life by social scientist Arthur C. Brooks. He details a number of pivots that he thinks we need to make in the second half of our lives to continue to live well. 
He points out how during the first half of our lives, we're often seeking after worldly achievement. But he says in the second half of our lives, we need to bring faith to the front and center of our lives. In the first half, we often keep it on the shelves. We put it on the back burner. It's something we draw on when we need it, but it's not our main focus. But when we get to the second half, it's time to make our faith our primary focus and centerpiece. As a practicing Catholic, for Brooks, that means going to Mass each day and going on regular spiritual retreats. For you, it might be joining a grow group for the very first time or committing to reading through the whole Bible for the first time. Or it might involve committing to weekly worship every week for the first time in your life. Sooner or later, following Jesus means we stop pursuing earthly things and we start seeking the things of God. And remember what Jesus promised to those who are seeking the things of God. He said in Matthew 6, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. The second imperative Paul gives is to put sinful habits to death. He says in verses 5 through 10, put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with his practices and have put on the new self. And he says that we are being renewed in knowledge after the image of our creator. Paul lists a number of things that Christians need to put to death in their lives. Things from the old life that don't fit in with our new life in Christ. To put things to death means to resolve to get rid of them once and for all from our life, to be done with them. Now, this past summer, we had some unexpected trespassers in our yard. And I didn't know what they were at first, but I saw the tracks. Eventually, the tracks turned into tunnels. So I had to do some research. It turned out that they were these little creatures called voles. And if you don't know what a vole is, it's a small rodent, a relative of a hamster. And they like to build tunnels and eat roots, and they really can tear things up. My first effort to deal with these voles was to try to trap them. Now, I like to trap things. One of the highlights of my summer last summer was helping a friend remove 12 raccoons that were tearing up his yard. So I ordered a tiny little vole trap thinking if I could trap them one by one, maybe I could relocate them. But the trap was so small that the door wouldn't even stay open when it was left outside. So I had to move on to poison. I really didn't want to put poison in the yard, so I bought the bare minimum and hoped it would do the trick. It did nothing. It seemed to only make them angry. They reproduced more and they tunneled harder. When we were out of town in Colorado on vacation, Janice was contacted by our neighbor who lives beside us saying that these voles had constructed an entire village on the edge of our property and now we're expanding into their yard. I felt terrible. Well, by the time we got back, our neighbor had filled in their holes with enough poison to finally put the problem to death. The village remains as ruins in our yard, but the voles are no longer a problem. Sin is kind of like this in our lives. We put up with it longer than we should. And then when we realize that we need to get rid of it, we toy around with it. 
We tell ourselves in God, hey, at least we're making an effort. In truth, sin is much more deadly. Following Christ means resolving to deal decisively with it and be done with it. Paul said this in Romans 8, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. What is a habit of body, mind, or soul that you need to put to death this year? Stop playing around. Stop making excuses. You might not know that I used to be a very heavy smoker. It was really only for a few short years, but during the height of my smoking career, I was smoking two to three packs a day. Since my dad was always dealing with diabetes-related issues, I always felt guilty smoking. I knew that he had a disease that he could never get rid of, and it wasn't his fault that he had it. For me, I knew that I was potentially giving myself a disease which could shorten my life, but it was a choice. So I always knew I had to quit smoking. So I was trying to quit all the time. My friend Caroline once said to me, Jason, people talk about how hard it is to quit smoking but you make it look so easy. You quit every week. I was, I was always trying to quit. By God's grace, in one year, I was walking across a bridge in um, DeKalb, Illinois, where I was going to college, and I had the urge to just throw the rest of my cigarettes into the Kishwaukee River. I apologize for littering, but it was the final move in my smoking career. And so, by God's grace, I haven't smoked a cigarette since that day. However, I'm one of those rare people who really likes the smell of cigarettes, the smell of cigarette smoke. So, whenever I walk by the smell, it makes me crave a cigarette 27 years later. Yes, kids, it would be better to never start, because you'll eventually have to quit. And if you don't start, you'll never have the craving. But because I want to live and be healthy for my family, I know I have to let that habit stay dead, even though it always wants to come back. And so if there's a habit of body, mind, or heart that you need to put to death by the power of the Holy Spirit, maybe this is the year you resolve to finally do it. Choose life, choose strength, choose to do the hard thing by the power of the Holy Spirit. Nobody said it would be easy to stop doing the things of our old life that don't fit in with our new one, but by God's power, we can. And it's definitely not easy to resist the temptation to go back to those things. But Paul says it's still a thing that we have to decide to do. We put to death the old things so that we can embrace the new life. And the light is always better than the darkness, even though the dark things always want to come back to life in our lives. The final imperative that Paul gives is found in verses 12 through 17. And this is the section that I focus on at weddings. It's all good. Paul says that we are to clothe ourselves with virtue. He writes in verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. 
The word of, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Paul employs the metaphor of getting dressed each day for this section. Talk about how we need to daily choose to live this new life. Daily choose to walk in virtue. Whereas there are bad habits from our old life that we need to kill off, the Christian life is not primarily about avoiding sin. It's about representing Christ and living the kind of life that he lived in this world so that others will be drawn to him. As we live the abundant life in front of them, they'll also join us in living that way. He says to do that, we need to daily dress ourselves in these virtues. Now, he says we're God's people. He's chosen us to represent him. We're holy and beloved, and we need to dress like it. In the life of virtue, again, it's about daily choosing, daily choosing to clothe ourselves with compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, daily choosing to bear with our brothers and sisters in Christ, in the church. He says, if anyone has a complaint against another, we are to forgive that one just as Christ has forgiven us. We are to daily put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And again, he uses that strong Christian word for love. Bible commentator Richard Donovan says, this agape love is more of a doing than a feeling word. It doesn't require that we approve of the actions of the other person that we love, or even that we enjoy their company. It involves wanting the best for that person and acting in accordance with that. That's the kind of love that we're called to put on every day. It's not a feeling. It's a disposition that results in right actions. Paul also says we're to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. This is the peace of God which surpasses understanding. It comes from choosing to live on God's side, walking God's path, worshiping Jesus as King, and staying connected to him in prayer. In verse 16, Paul gives a beautiful description of what happens when Christians gather for worship on the first day of the week. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. To live the life of faith, Christians must keep gathering for worship. Weekly worship is one of the most basic expressions of commitment to the church and to Christ. We come, we gather around God's word, we open our hearts in song, and we never take this privilege for granted. We are grateful from our hearts that we have been called by God to worship and honor him as king and receive the benefits of following him and being his forgiven, adopted family members. And now, if you're the kind of person that selects a specific Bible verse each year to be your verse of the year, and you haven't done so yet, you can't go wrong with the last verse in this section. Verse 17, Paul says, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is a great filter that we can apply to ourselves when we're about to say, type, or do anything, to ask ourselves, can I do this in the name that is representing Jesus Christ? Can I type this rant 
in the name of the Lord Jesus? Can I go to this club in the name of the Lord Jesus? Can I spend my money in this way in the name of the Lord Jesus? If so, we can then feel good that we're representing Christ well, which is our job. If not, then we can decide to pull back and do something different. But notice Paul also mentions giving thanks for the third time in three verses here. We can see how important it is for us to daily clothe ourselves with the virtue of gratitude. As Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I came across an article recently about the importance of dressing in a way that makes you feel good about yourself. The writer said, even if you aren't going anywhere, you're going to feel better sitting around the house in clothes that bring you joy. So even get dressed in clothes that you like, even if you're not going anywhere. This is definitely the case with virtue. Whether we're sitting around at home with the dog, or we're mingling with people, or attending some church meeting, we ought to clothe ourselves with virtue in private and in public. For that is appropriate for people who've been bought and paid for with the blood of Jesus. So friends, whatever happens this year, I pray that this will be a year that you seek the things of God like never before. I pray this will be a year when you finally put to death some of the things in your life which are holding you back. And I pray that this will be a year when each of us choose to daily clothe ourselves with the virtue that is befitting of people of God. Let us pray. God, you are so good. And we give you thanks for calling us to be your people. You are so good to us. We are chosen. You have called us to faith in you. As you're calling all the world to faith in you, let us be representatives of you. Let us live as your holy and beloved people. Let us dress like it. Let us daily choose to represent you well. And Father, now with the confidence of children of God, we pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us declare together what we believe as the people of God. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified of our most recent content. If you have any comments or questions for us, feel free to jump over to WashingtonCrossroads.com. Thank you again and have a great week.